to the Conservation Queens podcast. We are five girls who love the earth and have a passion for living a more eco-friendly life. We are real-life zoo employees, and as always, nothing that we say reflects our organizations and all thoughts and opinions are our own. Please keep in mind that we try to keep our podcast PG-13, so if you have any younger listeners, you may want to review the content beforehand. I'm Abby. I'm Emily B. I'm Kenzie. And I'm Katie. And with that, let us talk about things. Wow, we did that perfect. Yeah, that yeah. really happens, so go us. <laughs> Superstars. Yeah, I'm usually like off in La La Land when we first start, so there's a very significant pause. Speaking of Kenzie and <laughs> La La Land. Oh, yeah. That's a segue if I ever heard one. <laughs> yeah, uh, so we got a fan shout out today. Fan shout out is to Nick, my boyfriend. Ow, ow. <laughs> So he recently was uh, texting me the other day. He was recovering from getting his booster shot. And he said he spent most of the day just listening to our podcast. So thank you so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it. We love you really really well. Right. Yeah, he has excellent taste. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. This is true. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, conservation news this year. Just one thing, because we do have quite a bit of zoo news coming up. Sorry. Uh, it's okay. Zoo news is <laughs> Sorry. news. Um, but this one, I found an article about how they recently did a jaguar sen- uh, census in Mexico. And between the years of 2010 to 2018, they're up 20%, so up about 800 animals. And they confirmed uh, just about 5,000 jaguars in Mexico. Um, So they have prioritized um, protecting areas where they live as well as um, building wildlife corridors for them. So they attribute this um, uptick to those things, which is great. We love that. That's awesome. That's pretty great. Yeah. We love love big cats. Um, There's a big map in this um, article that I found, and it really shows kind of the distribution of them. And they're like – pretty much all over the country except for um, in the Baja Peninsula, which is to be expected. So uh, pretty neat. Pretty neat. It's a bird territory. It, <laughs> I think it's a desert in the – oh, well, in the Baja is not really the desert, but the Baja is whale shark territory. Not that anybody cares. Yeah, that's the whale shark's territory. All right. Uh, Abby, let's get through the zoo news because there's a heck of a lot of it. <laughs> there is, and I think it's all kind of important, so that's why I didn't cut too much of it. Um, The first one, I think, is one of the most important conversations that's going on in the zoo world right now. Um, So former zookeepers from the Chahinkapa Zoo in North Dakota are speaking out about their experiences. This isn't AZ accredited zoo, or it was until recently, um, and they're not alone. Many zookeepers have been more vocal recently about the working conditions, low staffing, and lack of mental and physical health support, as well as not getting their government-mandated breaks. Mm. Yeah. Uh, It's not an easy conversation to have because we all see zookeepers as, like, superstars, and they always seem pretty happy, but behind the scenes there can be a lot going on. So if you want to hear it from real-life zookeepers, not to plug Peeper Chat for the 50,000th time... Um, but we should but, plug Keeper Chat for the 50s. But we should because they're they're great. Um, and now they are both former zookeepers because they both quit because of these things. Um, and they have um, a podcast episode about it. Actually, two episodes, 150 and 151. They're called Zoo Wrap-Up Parts 1 and 2. And they do a really good job of going through all of the issues they had in the zookeeping field that they didn't find at just one zoo, but at several. Um, so I think it's a good conversation for us to open up and start talking to your local zoo if you are a zookeeper and seeing what kinds of changes can be made. One thing they did mention is that a lot of times um, zoological managers are really good at managing animals but not managing people. Yes. So well, maybe there, there needs to be a oh, right. There maybe needs to be a, a shift in like who they hire as zoological managers. Maybe it needs to be people that have like more of the business background or more of the leadership background and not so much just the zookeeping background. That's wild because we were literally talking about that today with my like my team with my supervisor about like how that's what they look for in supervisors more so than people that are like I know these animals really well. Um, So we could talk all podcast about this specifically but more let's zoo get news. on with the rest of the zoo news. 
Um, unfortunately, this one isn't much happier. Sad. Um, for those of you who have ever seen the movie Dolphin Tale, it is about a dolphin at uh, the Clearwater Aquarium in Florida who had a prosthetic tail. Um, and it's very a heartwarming story. It's a true story. And unfortunately, Winter, what is her name, passed away on November 11th at the Clearwater Aquarium due to medical difficulties. She was surrounded by her keepers and her trainers. Um, she had basically flipped intestines, which if you have a dog, that's another concern with them mm. as well. Um, and she'll be really missed. They've had a lot of memorial services for winter. Um, it made me tear up a lot when I heard this because that was one of the, my favorite movies growing up. Um, so as the Conservation Queens, our heart goes out to the entire Clearwater Aquarium family because I know that they're really heavily impacted by this. So if you get a chance to go visit the aquarium, please go. Something good that did come out of this, though, um, you know, as tragic as it is, not only, you know, all the lives that Winter touched, but um, because Winter is no longer there, um, they're able to make more room at the aquarium right now for some of the critical care manatees that are coming in this winter. Oh, um, so, you know, you know, we'll miss winter, but, you know, at least in her absence, uh, we can put that facility to some great use, especially because this year has been super hard on manatees here in Florida. Yeah. Clearwater Aquarium, though they're not AZ accredited, does an incredible, excellent job. And I'm pretty sure the only reason they're not accredited is because it's too expensive to get accredited. Yeah, they are. It has nothing facility. to do with their. It has nothing to do with their animal care. They are so awesome. So if you're in Clearwater, avoid all the Scientologists and go see the aquarium. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. Amen. AZ accreditation. Yeah. Speaking of AZ accreditation, uh, this year has been uh, interesting for that. Several zoos have Seriously. recently lost their AZ accreditations, and they're not little zoos; they're like giant ones. Um, includes the Chahinka, Chahinka Pazoo. Oh, I'm so bad. I'm so sorry. Chahinka Pazoo in North Dakota, the Erie Zoo in Pennsylvania, the Montgomery Zoo in Alabama, and most notably and famously, the Columbus Zoo in Ohio. Um, if you saw the documentary, The Conservation Game, uh, that talks about part of the reason why, but watch it with a grain of salt because it does definitely take one side to the story um the good news is that the aza did say they're going to approve the review process and relook at columbus zoo um if you want to learn more about that just google columbus zoo and i'm sure you'll find a lot of information or um if you'd like to hear a whole episode about it let us know because yeah. it's a lot yeah we've got a lot of thoughts mm-hmm. I have a, lot of- <laughs> a lot of thoughts a lot of feelings and the hard part is I understand both sides of the story, so. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, on a happier note, lots of zoo holiday offerings are currently <laughs> happening across Ooh, the country, so go check out your local zoo. Literally? Zoo lights. Minnesota Zoo is doing their uh, drive through trail again. I went last year. It was amazing. They added more this year. Oh, my God. It's great. If you're in Minnesota anywhere, you can drive to the Minnesota Zoo. It's not that bad. Go see it. I get, like, 50% of my Christmas shopping done at zoo gift shops. Yes, Truly. because they have the coolest, like, sustainable conservation related little products. And, I and love usually it. small businesses, too. Yes. And I buy it all and it's terrible, but it's also great and they love it. Amazing. Uh, one last final zoo news, which is also kind of conservation news. So Tiger King 2 has been released. <laughs> yeah. I opened up Netflix yesterday and I was like, oh, like are you kidding me yeah apparently I, I forgot it was a thing and it was just the first thing on netflix and i was like i hate this and i'm not i'm not, <laughs> I'm not gonna watch it i just can't watch it again no apparently season two is a lot less focused on the animals and more the, the people first season was barely focused on the animals. i know but like yeah. it, it got worse in season two and then Great. apparently the last episode this is from somebody else that watched it so if this isn't accurate don't at me i'm not watching it um <laughs> The last episode we already did more that for you all. Tigers. Yeah, we did that, and you can go back and watch that episode or listen, not watch it. We <laughs> don't video record these. You can go back and listen to that episode um, for our thoughts on this first season, uh, which we were all only able to stomach about two episodes of. Um, as an article thing. from the Great Ben's <laughs> Tribune says, Tiger King attractions are fake zoos. Shocking. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, with on to that, I think we have some exciting beluga news. We do. Uh, so researchers from uh, NOAA in conjunction with the University of Washington 
uh, just published a bunch of data that they're getting out of the Cook Inlet beluga population. So this is the one that we're always talking about here. Um, Basically, they used a bunch of different methods, including uh, satellite tags, um, some passive acoustic monitoring, as well as ingested temperature monitors um, to determine feeding frequency and time of day and geographic location for those belugas. So what they did is they had uh, several belugas ingest a little temperature monitor that they could pass. Um, and that temperature monitor, it would record higher temperatures when they were like actively digesting food. Um, and then when the temperature was lowered, obviously they didn't have anything in their stomach. Um, but they also were looking at their vocalizations that they make when they're hunting versus when they're actually eating. Um, just really cool stuff. And um, the article basically said, like, we really don't know a lot of this information about these animals. So the more we can learn about them, again, the more we can, you know, learn to protect areas where they're eating and areas where they're hunting and, you know, make sure that we're staying out of their way, which is great. Love it. Woo. All right. Time for the, uh, I don't know what to call this. The main event. The meat and bones. There you go. <laughs> okay. So, I almost said the meat event. <laughs> it is about time this happened. It's only been uh, two months since my birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday! Thanks, thanks. Um, Happy birthday! No one else is getting a birthday episode this year except for maybe Emily A because hers is not with everybody else's. Yeah, right. R.I.P. Emily and Abby. Um. So we're finally gonna do a primate little episode, and to be fair, I feel like they could have another episode after this, but. I will argue that in the future with my fellow queens. Um, I think you could have a whole podcast about it with just you, Katie. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Primate, I don't even know what you would call that. Be like, Primate pandemonium. Ah, uh, there you go. Join well, me no, that has panda in it. You got to nix it right away. It says panda. Uh, Primate, just the Primate podcast. I mean, pretty simple, straightforward. The PP. But I'm sure you all are wondering <laughs> out there. The P- <laughs> I'm so sorry. That was very funny to me. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, I'm sure you're all wondering, what even is a primate? Because whoever wrote this little part in our, um, (laughs) in our whatchamacallit Google document is definitely confused about what a primate is in general and what even is a lemur. Okay, um, and well, that's, that was because... No, and those are two, great questions. Two out of three um, lemurs. I know, because that's... Isn't that funny? You all know how much I love, like, apes in particular. And, and all three of these queens picked two lemurs and a monkey. Well, because apes are <laughs> scary, Katie. Oh, they, well, I don't like them. Yeah. I like one kind. Which is why we need to do an episode about them. But anyways... So I will, I am here before we dive into some more specific primates to tell you a little bit more about what they are, what the different groups are within primates and all that jazz. Um, So to get it started, primates arose about 55 to 85 million years ago, which it always cracks me up when you see those like figures and it's like, big gap. it's a big gap. That's millions of years. <laughs> okay, but to, to be fair. Those are all the rock people, and the rock people are way smarter than me, and they and they get to lick their science, and it's a there's a lot happening. Yeah, I mean, good on science... for even getting that accurate. I guess. I mean, our science licks us; they lick their science. That's oh, why. True. That's our bond. Yeah, I got licked by a sloth today. He licked oh. my finger. Um, anyways. <laughs> Uh, so that many millions of years ago, uh, primates, uh, developed from small terrestrial mammals and adapted to live, uh, up in the treetops. Um, in order to do this, they had to adapt to, um, a more kind of challenging environment, uh, which meant they developed a larger brain size. They developed color vision and acute vision, um, dexterous hands so they can grip onto the branches and the trees. And a shoulder girdle um, to allow more flexibility in the arms um, for all that climbing. So those are some of the common characteristics um, that kind of branched off primates from other mammals. Uh, And then kind of the really distinctive feature that I think a lot of people think about when we think primates is uh, they're among the most social animals um, uh, in the world. uh, Because we're part of that group. We are primates shock maybe that's why you guys don't like primates that much because you're like because we're all introverts people 
Oh, excuse me. I was going to say because it reflects our own self, but that works too. (laughs) I am the least introverted person I know. That's also true. What's wild is like, yeah, we're primates, but then like the smallest primate in the world is it's called Madam Birth's Mouse Lemur, um, which only weighs about one ounce. Oh my God, it's a pocket. It's, it's a, a pocket lemur. teeny, it literally is a pocket lemur, but do not have Don't like, put them in your pets, pocket. please. <laughs> um, yeah, but they tiny. They, they would be on like your finger size. Um, <laughs> they cute. Uh, but then the range of this group is that the largest of all primates is the eastern gorilla, which can weigh up to 440 pounds. Wasn't there one girl that got to like 700 pounds? I'm sure there was. I'm sure there was. Because usually males, I think, can be around 500. And that's, like, I'm, I'm thinking Western it. lowland gorillas. Like, I don't even really know the stats on Eastern gorillas. I feel like but... mountain gorillas or grouse gorillas are bigger. Oh, my um, gosh. The world's largest sil- silverback gorilla in human care is 860 pounds. Well, there oh. you go. Holy the... cow. That's something else. Oh, my gosh. So there's your diversity in uh, this, you know, realm of species um but even getting more down to it uh in in answering abby's question earlier like what are lemurs in the world of primates yes people are always confused because for a while they weren't considered primates they kind of were a group of their own but then they were again um so here's the deal primates are broken up into um two different classifications to start the first being and i'm going to butcher this Strepsirins, and the second being haplorins. It might be haplorines and strepsirines, but I digress. Um, strepsirines, the first group, means twisted nostrils, uh, and it consists of lemurs, galagos, which are also known as bush babies, and horses. I almost said a bush baby. Bush babies are pretty cute. We actually <laughs> have them at my facility. I do not work with them, but I would love to they're um, they're real cool kenzie i don't know if you can also relate to this when i was in africa there was one night we heard a bush baby scream <laughs> uh while while we were about to go to sleep and all of us like immediately like got out of our tents we we're like what was that and our professor was like calm down it's a bush baby we're it's like it was a baby a and they're bush like baby but they sound like babies well that's why they get that i name. know but it's you know really scary. <laughs> definitely not so- that's how they bush in the middle of night that's no. how they lure you into their trap it was our first night in africa it was it was not the way that we <laughs> thought this was going to start so this group uh of strepsirines which is you know lemurs bush babies and lorisids so if you've ever heard of like a slow loris that's in this group uh what it really means is that they got wet noses uh, so they don't have like twisted nostrils. It's they have their noses get wet like a dog's when they sniff. You know, they get a lot of smelly smells. Uh, and the reason for this is, or the reason they differ from, say, like us, for example, um, we don't have the best sense of smell um, compared to other mammals. We actually have a really poor sense of smell. Um, so that was something that uh, monkeys and apes kind of gave up in order to evolve other. Like, our eyesight is kind of what we uh, rely on the most. Um, So that's why we have such good vision and color vision. Uh, Because we were like, yeah, that's more important to survival than uh, being able to smell things. But for lemurs, bush babies, and lorisids, lorisidae, however you want to say it, it's it's pretty important for their um, environment. So they got wet little noses. Uh, I can confirm this, uh, having currently work, working with lemurs. Um, it's real cute. But anyways, <laughs> the other group, haplorines, means simple noses and consists of tarsiers, simians, and simians. Tarsiers. I always hear that pronounced so many different ways. And simians. I'm so then, go with the way that true frat, true fact. That's how I always it. hear it, and I'm like, that's not how you're supposed to say the it. But I want to. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. Uh, and those, uh, in those two groups, simians is broken down even further. So simians then goes into monkeys and apes, um, and there are old world monkeys and apes, um, which are found in Africa and Asia, and then there are new world monkeys, which are found in South America. 
Um, it's basically at some point millions of years ago, uh, a group of simians, uh, you know, was broke off into the area that in the future became South America and they were separated from the old world monkeys and apes that, you know, stayed. Um, We've seen them before in Asia. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> Great. So that's, that's it. That's what a primate is. They're amazing and wonderful. And there's so many of them. And we are lucky to call them our close relatives, in my opinion. Some other, some others may not believe so, but I believe so. That would be all the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I feel like, you know, we do other battle royales. Y'all are like, oh, we got to impress. We got to hype it up for the person we're doing it for. I've but tried that and I keep it's losing. Fine. It's well, fine. let me give you a little small piece of my brain right now. Um, <laughs> so I picked my primate because it was a primate that I knew existed. Um <laughs> <laughs> and I just now learned about how do you say this word? Tarsiers? Yeah. What the hell is that? <laughs> Wait, you never saw that. I literally just episode. had to Google it and I'm reading the Wikipedia page right now and my mind is like <laughs> you know that gif of that guy where he's like they got, got the hands next to his head like his brain's exploding? That's me right now. <laughs> they got eyeballs that are like they're huge. They take up like it's seventy five percent of their body. <laughs> Like what? Who who created this? <laughs> Darwin, what are you doing? At evolution, why? But That's, okay, okay. If but... I had known that these existed, you know, oh, I don't know, more than an hour ago. <laughs> Emily, so, you're going last. Okay, quick, turn it around. Just, just to give you a That's fun true. fact, though, about tarsiers, um, is that each eyeball is like can be as large as or in some cases larger than their entire brain incredible oh it's a bird what what <laughs> it's a bird oh i was like oh, no this but is birds are real maybe birds are all tarsiers <gasps> we've unlocked the the key that's the that's what's happening they're also one of the um only carnivorous primates Okay, I like them. All right, are See, you doing this so royale? okay. Well, I'm just saying, y'all were like, oh, there's some like that are that interesting that aren't, you know, lemurs. And I'm like, bam, there you go. Two fun facts about the tarsiers. But lemurs are weirder, and we'll get to it. Okay, fine, whatever. Well, Kenzie has Kenzie. one that's not a lemur. <laughs> that's yeah, true. No. And you know what? If I had to pick one right now <laughs> to win, it would be Kenzie. I have never. <laughs> Did this fact that cotton top tamarins are one of my favorite monkeys out there, and she's doing a golden lion tamarin, which is pretty darn close. Yeah, I, I meant to do cotton tops, but then I I think last minute I changed to golden lion tamarins. It's been and that's a okay. <laughs> that's okay. I love them too. Yeah. I want to learn all about them, Kenzie. Would you tell me all about I the golden like lion tamarin? I'm at a disadvantage here, <laughs> Abby. It'll be all right. I'm never gonna win. Let's hear what Kenzie has to say. All right. Well, buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. You heard Katie talking about New World versus Old World primates. Well, we're going to take a trip on down to South America to the New It's like America. But South. South. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. Uh, That's an up reference for those of you who haven't seen the movie. Go watch it if you haven't. Uh, So these guys... Golden lion tamarins. Now they may be tiny, but they sure are distinctive. Golden lion lion tamarins measure only 12 to 15 inches in length, and they're recognizable by their rich fur. I mean, it's really, really pretty. You, if you walk, you will know it once you see it. Um, At the Minnesota Zoo, go see them there. There you go. Nice little plug. Uh, These guys live along. (laughs) The There's not enough plugs for the Minnesota Zoo on this podcast, so I'm just going to give point, more. At this point, Minnesota Zoo just needs to start sponsoring us. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> we'll do the Minnesota Zoo's podcast from Florida. There you go. Makes total sense. Uh, these guys live along the southeast coast of Brazil in the tropical rainforest. Now, this portion of Brazil is the most densely and heavily populated within the country. And these guys will live anywhere in the canopy from about 30 to 100 feet above. 
Uh, these guys, of course, they're social like all primates are, and they live in family groups of about two to eight with a main breeding pair and then their offspring. A fun fact about these guys is that when they give birth, they usually give birth to twins. Eee, it's so cute. They are very, very cute. I uh, highly recommend you guys go Google a picture of a baby. They're so small. They're so tiny. Well, it's an accomplishment for primates to have a cute baby anyway. So. And they got, oh, my cute. gosh. Wow. Okay. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know. I'll take that back. Our, our facility had some baby gorillas recently. Yep. Really, really cute. And not, not those... when they first came out, they weren't. Yes, they weren't. It's a raisin on a spider body. back to the golden lion tamarins if you do look up a picture of their babies it's just the fact that they carry the two of them at the same time is amazing anyways go ahead Mm -hmm. Kenzie. well now i'm going to crush your dreams and hopes uh unfortunately it's pretty hard living as a golden lion tamarin when you're young less than 50 percent of them make it past into adulthood once these guys make it to adult, I'm so sorry. Once these guys make it to adulthood, they can live to about 20 years, which is pretty impressive. They teeny, so it is mm-hmm. very teeny. Uh, Before you go into the next thing, can I do give you another fun fact about them? Uh, yes, please go for so, it. So, like you know, mom, dad, kids—they all live in a family group. So, dad um, actually helps with the child rearing quite a bit. Uh, in order for mom to like maintain her own body weight and like produce milk for two offspring like on top of finding food for herself all that stuff um, dad will actually carry the two babies around for quite a large portion of the day um, just to give mom a break so she can you know work on developing the milk and all that all that stuff so I just think that's cute they're dad of the year basically they're primate dad of the year they do pretty good (laughs) That's awesome. I really love that. Yeah. Human dads, take note. <laughs> this is not a specific call. My dad's good, but... <laughs> Your dad's great, yeah. Uh, well, these guys are pretty awesome, uh, but unfortunately, they are classified as endangered. They used to be critically endangered. In the early 1970s, it was believed there were as few as 200 tamarins left in the wild. That's this horrible. Is- Yeah, this is due thanks to habitat fragmentation, the exotic pet trade, and just general deforestation, um, especially when people were moving in to create housing developments and also for cattle ranching. So in 1972, this National Smithsonian Zoo actually held a conference and they gathered about 28 scientists from Europe and the Americas to help establish a conservation program to bring back the tamarind. That is now the Golden Lion Conservation Program. If you go to the Smithsonian Zoo website and go into the Golden Lion Tamarind page, uh, they will be talking about this. It's pretty neat. And thanks to their combined efforts with other zoological facilities and scientists around the world, these guys are now numbering at about 2,500 in the wild. Yay. And about another 500 in facilities across the world. Yay. Yay. So still um, pretty small, but yeah. a huge, huge improvement from just 200, which was... I'm actually on that Smithsonian's page. I do have to correct myself. So yes, dad does do the largest share of carrying the, the babies, but all members of the group will actually carry and care for them, not just dad. And the mom usually only takes them back to nurse them. And then she's like, okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I just, that just made it better. <laughs> it takes a village, man. It really does. Um, also, one little fun fact before we move on. Uh, golden line tamarins actually are said to share a mutualistic relationships with over a hundred different tropical plants because wow. they are very critical seed dispersers. Mm-hmm. Neat. They got good important. Yep. It is. <laughs> the scoop on poop. There you go, buds. <laughs> That's Kenzie's spinoff podcast. There you they go. Also, uh, <laughs> We got the... PP and the scoop on poop. <laughs> Please in never nature. say PP ever again. <laughs> I am such a 12 year old boy that, like, that's never going to fly. <laughs> we, 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 take our, we take our work very seriously here at Conservation Queens Podcast. There's never any joking around. <laughs> One no. last um, really cute fact about golden lion tamarins is they will sleep in tree holes for warmth. And yeah, protection at night. Emily, we're so, never gonna win wow. this. That's all right. I have. A she picked a really hole. good one. Like I'm not gonna lie, uh, golden lion tamarins are pretty great. 
But that's okay. Tell me what you got, guys. You got some lemurs for me, yeah? Pause. Kenzie, are you peacing out or are you going to stay around? Um, I think I might just stay around just to listen to you guys. Uh, this Good is deal. Me down. Fun, fun Good deal. <laughs> it's great. It's about to get chaotic, so it's going to be fun. <laughs> Say, oh, when, when Kenzie just disappears, we'll know why. <laughs> yeah, no problem. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I've got a lemur. Um, and in order to fit with my brand here on the Conservation Queens, I've chosen the II. Oh my God, wait, you're going to hate me. I'm sorry. Can I say one more fact of the Golden Lion too? Oh my God! <laughs> it's not really a fact. It's just um, if you want to see some really great Golden Lion tamarind content, check out the Philadelphia Zoo um, and their social media pages because they have um, a setup at the Philly Zoo is not um, they really can't expand very much <laughs> because of where they are in Philadelphia and their property. Uh, so what they kind of did to expand a lot of their um, habitats for their animals is they actually created these, like, um, I don't know how to describe them. They're not tunnel systems. They're up high. Oh, uh, I know exactly what we were talking about. Um, yeah, I sort of like went, yeah, I went to the Philly Zoo a couple years ago, and they have an amazing catwalk system, not only yeah. for golden lion tamarins, but also for their big cats as well. Yes, for their big cats, it's too. A, it's an um, initiative uh, exhibit design nerd bumping in here. Uh, it's called Zoo 360, and it's an initiative to get people closer to animals while still maintaining safety and integrity of both mm-hmm. species. So basically, it's just an, a nice little network that they can go around the zoo through these catwalks um, right above guests. And it's just, it's really cool. It gives them, you know, places to explore, new things to see. And um, yeah, and, and then people get to see more, co- uh, sorry, more golden lion tamarins, not cotton tops. But cotton tops are great too. Anyways, just, uh, the II. <laughs> yeah. So, not that I have any hope of winning at this point. Hey, you never know. You have to have a positive attitude. Yeah, you can Come convince on. me. I'm All right. Well, convinced. here's the first point the Duke Lemur Center has considered the II to be the strangest primate in the world. Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah. So, if you don't know what an II is, I'm going to give you a minute to Google a picture of one. And even if you do know, just Google a picture so you can stare at his eyes for a while. Aye, aye. Aye, aye, Captain. <laughs> also, there's endless puns, which is great. Dude, this this looks like me when I wake up. <laughs> they kind of look like if a bat and a primate had a baby. You know, if you like and then get cursed by a spider. How like apes look, and yet you're defending this thing. Well, he did nothing wrong. Oh. <laughs> I say, couldn't I, I rip off my face? Maybe. Um, I bet, you know, if they really try. But they're not awake when you get there, and we'll get there. Let's talk about why it's weird. Because, <laughs> I mean, not that I need to explain it, but I'm going to anyway. Um, it is the largest nocturnal primate. Its body is 15 inches long, and it has an even longer tail that is described as bushy. Uh, <laughs> uh, they have so the first weird thing they have continuously growing incisors which is unique that. amongst primates yes yeah, so they got sharp big old teeth kind of like the sloths that Kate talked about a couple episodes ago right yep yep uh they got big old ears and they got buggy eyes they sure are buggy they sure are buggy uh, not as buggy the best... as the tarsier, but buggy. Not as buggy as the tarsier, but I, I don't think there's another way to describe them no. other than buggy. They got a crazed, crazed look in their eye. The tarsier well, and then, doesn't. And then it gets better because they have a middle finger, which is described as skeletal, and it is acts as their sixth sensory organ. Yep, yep. This upsets me. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, this maybe should have been our Halloween episode. Oops. Um... So why does it look like it was sent to us from the fifth circle of hell, you may ask? <laughs> um, <laughs> the answer is because they eat specific things. Um, IIs are primarily insectivores. Um, and then they also eat well, some nuts and berries and fruit in there too. But like they're famous for their bug eating. Another so the insects... in, uh, carnivorous primate, which is not really, I guess they're not solely carnivorous. It's, they're more you just omnivorous. said they're omnivores. <laughs> yeah. And we'll get to why that, like, actually makes sense and is important later. Um, 
just for conservation purposes, but mostly they eat bugs, which again is, it is kind of weird for primates to primarily eat something that's meat. Um, most of the insects that IIs eat are larvae and larvae usually live inside trees, dead or alive, which the trees are dead or alive, not the bugs. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for the clarification. There. It was important to me. So what they do, and this is the thing that freaks out people, is as they walk along the trees, they use their creepy little middle finger, which the is... Creepy, crawly little finger. <laughs> it's, it's about three times the size of the rest of their fingers. And they tap along the branch. They just tip, tap, tap. And their satellite dish ears are pointed towards the tree, and they're listening. And if they hear insects running through the tunnel of little larvae, they rip through the bark with their sharp-ass teeth! Those, uh... This is like an ASMR that I did not want. <laughs> Could you imagine, the, the like, two to our Halloween uh, special episode? I just imagine a bunch of little larvae, like, sitting in a tree, and they're, like, sitting around their little larva fire, and they're telling little larva ghost stories, and they're, talking, they're like, if you hear the tap, tap, tap. You're already dead. And then all of a sudden, the eye eye rips off the bark. And you just see these bug eyes and giant ears with this one middle finger. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff of nightmares. But this says they delicately use their middle finger. Well, to scoop it. When they're, right. when they're, when they're, done, when they're done. The ripping is scary, but the scooping but is gentle. But that's with their teeth. That's not with their tap tap. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, fingers, the finger is gentle and delicate because it also is like super skinny. If you look at a like an x-ray of an like um, eye eye hand, it's kind of, it's, it's weird looking because the middle fingers are a lot skinnier. So I wonder how, they must break so much easier than the other fingers. Ouch. Ugh. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's just me speculating wildly. That is not scientific in any way, shape, or form. Um, uh, they then de- delicately use the middle finger to scoop out the bug and have a nice meal. So the larvae you know, don't think so. Well, yeah, the larvae are sitting there. Differ. The campfire has been ruined. <laughs> the parents are never going to send them back to summer s'mores. camp. <laughs> They're never going back to summer camp. It, it's it's the bug version of Friday the Thirteenth. Something that's really funny is if you Google II and then you scroll down just a little bit, there's, um, I guess it's a screenshot from a YouTube video about IIs, but it's a picture of an II looking crazy and it says the cursed lemur on the picture and then the caption is II, the harbinger of death. (laughs) Well, here's the thing though, we're going to talk about that because it's it's actually a big problem for them, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but back to like their breeding now, which it's not as this is not that weird. Um, they can breed at any time of year, which is a little bit unusual, but like not unheard of. But I am going to do a dramatic reading from the Duke Lemur Center's account of breeding the first IIs in human care. Oh boy, are you ready? Mm-hmm. I'm ready. <clears throat> Angelique, born at Duke in 2005, was the first II ever born to parents who themselves were born in human care. Merlin, who, quote, was clueless and knew nothing about breeding, end quote. Literally had to... every male that ever needed to breed in a zoo setting ever. I <laughs> think you, need, you take out the zoo setting part. I think that yeah, sure. it's still holds <laughs> <old> true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, anyway, Merlin, who was clueless and knew nothing about breeding, had to be coached for two years by Duke's staff before breeding successfully with Audrey to produce Angelique. And I just want to know exactly... What was this coaching? What was this coaching? (laughs) Um, Anybody who listens to this and has worked at or currently works at Duke Lemur Center, let us know what does II breeding coaching look like? (laughs) Right. Katie, you're a zookeeper. Yeah. Yeah. How, um, how do you I can't say I've ever had experience with that. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had to train that. Uh, our lemurs are on birth control, so <laughs> so they're they're looking for the opposite. Yeah, we gotta we gotta um, you know be like bring it back, bring it back. <laughs> but apparently, the experience taught the center's primatologists an invaluable lesson that the complex creatures need social socialization to mate. So well, yeah. they are. <laughs> Sorry, I just that's that's a big thing with primates. 
And well, yeah, but except IIs are mostly solitary. Right. They're one of the only primates that are. Um, and they're only together when they're mating. Some interaction. Well, right. And then when they are interacting, the female's considered dominant. So. so it was probably just a coaching in a matter of, like, how they were allowing them to socialize prior to, you know, getting it on. Yeah, cop- like copulation. I, I wonder if they're, like, have, like, in my head, I'm imagining, like, an ii puppet oh that they're like God. trying to coach him to like get on its back this isn't pandas we don't have to go that basic i think they probably just have to reward it when it's around the female maybe that's like maybe. like she is good be she friends is good. <laughs> have a snack she good <laughs> she she might beat you up a little bit but it's okay um, they are mostly nocturnal eyes and hang out in the trees of rainforest in madagascar but they can be seen on the floors on the forest floor pretty frequently so not unusual uh if they get excited or agitated they have white guard hairs that poof up and make them look even crazier yeah um so that's kind of fun and now on to the sad part (laughs) they are horribly (laughs) critically endangered well here's the thing so i guess it's like a sad kind of happy part ayas used to be considered one of the most endangered mammals in the world but recent studies have shown they're much more widespread across the island than people thought so they may not be actually critically endangered Okay. Which is good. Okay. Um, but they're nocturnal and they're black. So and they're really quiet. So, you know, hard to find. Um, one of the biggest issues is that IIs have is they don't have the best reputation with local tribes um in Africa because they look like they've come out of the fifth circle of hell and they only come out at night. Local people have thought of them as an evil omen called a fady. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, that must be killed on site. To avoid bringing bad luck to the entire village. So you can't see it and leave. You have (laughs) to kill it it when you see it. Yes. So obviously we know that's not true. um, But it is a cultural thing, right? So it's one of those things that you have to kind of balance respecting the culture. But also being like, but maybe don't do this because they're just eating bugs. Yeah. Which is good. Um, They also are agricultural pests. So even now that people have learned IIs aren't that bad... They do like to eat the fruits and stuff from trees in farmers' property. So then the farmers kill them because they're considered pests. So they can't win. They can't really win. We're working on it. Um, in short, these weird animals don't get enough love from literally anyone. And even though they're not cute, they deserve to win this battle royale, mostly because I've never won one. <laughs> and if this doesn't convince you, I'd like to leave you with a song that I learned when I was five years old. It is not a factually accurate song, and I can't find it anywhere online, so it oh may have god. been a fever dream. Oh my god. All right. Are you ready? Yes. Ay, ay. Ay, ay. Three little monkeys in a tree. Ay, ay. Ay, ay. Looking from there back at me. Oh my god. There's more, but I'll spare you. Yeah, I mean, um, I could already tell you it's not factually accurate. No, I know it's not, lines, but... But I did, like, enjoy it, so... Oh, thank you. I learned it when I was taking piano lessons when I was five years old. It was one of the first things we learned to learn how to play on the piano. Amazing. So, if you'd like to hear more of that, I'm really sorry. I will not sing it for you. Uh, honestly, I think you did a great job. Um, I- I'm, that I'm was where impressed. my theater training came in. And I do like, you know, I do always like those animals that... I feel don't get enough love. And the I.I. is definitely one of them. Well, uh, see, and I was catering to that knowledge. All right. So all I did right. cater this for you, Katie. All right. All right. I will say, if you do want to see some fun pictures of I.I.'s, um, follow the Duke Lemur Center on Instagram. Uh, they are an awesome organization. They do so much work with lemur conservation. Uh, Duke Lemur Center. But if you... Follow them and scroll down to Halloween time. Um, they posted this really cute picture of three of their eye eyes. Like one of them is on a pumpkin, one of them is in a cauldron, and one of them is in like another little Halloween bucket. Um, but their names are Winifred, Agatha, <gasps> and then the other one is Melisandre, like the witch That's from, oh my God. That's from good. Game of Thrones. So they're all they named also, after witches, which they also I have one named Elphaba. Great. Oh, stop. so anyways um they just 
they they do a lot of lemur education work um so you'll learn a lot about lemurs if you follow their page but you'll also see some just incredible videos of and pictures of, of all different species of lemurs so and there are quite a few zoos too so you can see if there's one at your local zoo oh yeah yeah but speaking of lemurs and i have to say eyes are not my favorite lemurs Emily stole that before I could take it. <laughs> so, Emily, please talk about the lemur that literally changed my life. The, All right, well, like, Abby, lemur Abby led with a song, so now I have to lead with a song. <laughs> oh, I wrote that. I brought it to the No, nope, different your song. You're wrong. What? Oh. Who could it be? This animal that I did see. Can you help me guess this mystery? mystery. Incredible. <laughs> Well, my dear listeners, if you did not already know, based on that song, uh, I have chosen the most iconic primate of all time ever. That's debatable. I mean, debatable maybe, but like, really? I don't know. Uh, Most iconic lemur for sure. Yeah, most iconic lemur for sure. Most iconic non-ape for sure, I think. Um, (laughs) And that is Zabumafu. Uh, Zabumafu is a, I'm going to murder this name. Uh, Kokoral Safaka? Sure, we'll say that. That seems right. We'll just call it Safaka to make it easier. Yeah, I mean, we're going to call them Safakas. Uh, They're actually named because of the noise that they make. Allegedly sounds like Shafaka or something like that. Um, I couldn't find any evidence of such, but... Well, I mean, in the show, they go... That's true. Um, But anyway, uh, obviously, this is the most iconic lemur ever to exist. Um... And I honestly credit Zabumafu, the show, as well as uh, good old Steve Irwin, with um, giving me the love of animals that I have today. Same. So, like, shout out to Chris and Martin Kratt. You guys are real ones. Um, and they're doing it again with Wild Kratts. And if um, you listen to this podcast, you need to reach out to us <laughs> because you've changed my entire life. And I do want to meet you. And I will sob endless tears. Well, and I will say, I mean, there are kids that come up to us at our jobs frequently and they know so many cool animal things because of wild crats. Oh, you know, yeah. our generation learned it all in Zabumafu, but they're all learning it now in wild crats. So, like, crap brothers, you're really just killing it. Um, okay. But anyway, back to uh, the Safaka, um, also known as Zabumafu, because I just think it's it, – to me, Zabumafu is easier to say, which is sad. Um, but they are incredible animals. They are distinct from other lemurs in the way that they leap. So, like – if you remember the opening sequence of Zabumafu, where they're like following him to um, Animal Junction, he's like mm-hmm. hopping on his little back legs, right? They really do hop like that. Amazing. Uh, they leap vertically on their back legs sideways. Um, some web article that I was reading earlier today equated it to a kangaroo. And I was like, I don't know if that's quite right. But um, Katie, they do- you're the expert on Australian and primate stuff. Is that accurate? Do I don't you? think they hop like a kangaroo. They hop Lemurs, on their back legs. I That's mean, like it. They, they not like a not technically like a kangaroo does. Like different fizzy, you know. Yeah. Physio- I don't know. It's not like a kangaroo. The article wrong. Um, right. No, but it does look similar. Yeah, I mean they're bouncing. It's cute. like it's it's yeah it's like the you know premise of it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, in the traditional culture um, around where they are found in Madagascar. Um, they're viewed as sacred sun worshipers because they bask in the morning sun, which is very cute. Aww. Can you just imagine seeing a bunch of them just like basking in the sun? Adorable. Yeah. yeah. Very, cute. Have <laughs> very cute. It is uh, really cute. They're pretty small. I didn't realize. Well, I mean, they're pretty big, but like they only weigh eight to nine pounds, which kind of shocked me. Like, I don't know why. I guess I just thought they would weigh more. Um, they're also I mean, birds. It's fair, I guess. Uh, but they live in small family groups, um, and they only live in very specific areas in northwest Madagascar. Um, the females are dominant to males. Um, shout out to the ladies. Um, and then, again, a lot of the lemur information that is out there is thanks to the Duke Lemur Center, as we've already discussed. Um, but I pulled this information directly from there. Um, as of 2018, Kokoral safakas are classified as critically endangered in Madagascar, uh, they're threatened due to increasing habitat destruction and erosion of the social customs against hunting them. Um, so in their native area, um, they are pretty well protected by locals just because it is considered like they're considered sacred. Um, so nobody wants to hunt them or kill them because they're sacred. Right. 
Um, but I guess that is decreasing now. Um, and they're only found in currently because of whatever the climate is there, political climate. Um, these animals are now only found in two uh, nature reserves. Um, they have the natural areas that they're supposed to live in have been damaged by fires set by farmers. Um, so it's really not, they're not in, their wild population is not in great shape. Um, as we discussed, Zabumafu is a Kokoro Savaka. Um, his real life counterpart was named Jovian, um, who lived at the Duke Lemur Center um, and passed away in 2015, I think it was. Um, oh my gosh, it was a really sad day. It was a very sad day. But Jovian sired 12 offspring during his life. Um, he was, and because of the show Zabumafu, um, they credited him with being responsible for an increase of 15,000 visitors a year uh, to the Duke Lemur Center. Um, yes. since uh, Zabumafu aired, which uh, started in 1999. So you go, Zabumafu. You're teaching everybody about lemurs. Um, and then uh, his uh, newest progeny, I guess you would say, um, this year in June, um, his daughter Gisela had a baby named Cassia. So he got a great new, uh, new granddaughter this year, which is very cute. Um, I remember on Zabumafu, they would always like give him a snack, right? And then he turns into the like animated Zabumafu, right? Um, but they would always feed him garbanzo beans. And for the longest yeah. time, I was like, I need to eat garbanzo beans. <laughs> like, if they're good for Zabumafu, they've got to be good for me. But I didn't know that garbanzo beans and chickpeas were the same thing. Spoiler alert, I'm allergic <laughs> oh, to Oh, they are? Oh, my God. So, you know, that didn't really pan out for adult Emily very well. Um, but I just thought you all should know that. And I thought that it was a fun little anecdote to share. That is. I didn't know that chickpeas were the same thing as garbanzo beans. They really are. Crazy. Amazing. Um, really, that's all I have to say about uh, Zabumafus slash Safakas. Um, other than I think they're adorably cute. Um, they have very round faces. Um, much more so than like a ringtail lemur or something like that. Um, so I just think they're really neat. And best. I just love Zabumafu. <laughs> I just think they're neat. Yeah, that's my vote how I feel. is actually for Emily to win. I want to be clear. Mm. Um, but she did promise me fifty percent of the win if she does win because <laughs> I was true. mad that it's okay. <laughs> I'm fully it. expecting to lose to Kenzie, but yeah, at this point, <laughs> I'll be right. most, my vote is for the II. Oh yes, <laughs> I am not gonna lie. Love you know Zabumafu. Love all that, but. As far as lemurs are concerned, I do think they're vastly overrated. Um, I I currently work with red-ruffed lemurs, and I would say they're definitely my favorite lemur, but that's because, you know, they're the only lemur I've worked with, but they are a lot cuter than, um, you know, Zubumafu, but it's fine. Disagree, but all right. Oh my God. Seen a red rough? I have seen a red yes, rough. And you are being sacrilegious. I'm literally not, though. They're overrated, and people should know that there's over a hundred different kinds of lemur out there, and they all deserve love and uh, attention. And uh, I'm gonna actually say that I eyes win. Wow! Because Woo! I learned a lot of stuff I didn't know about them, which was fun. And I do oh think God, I they deserve one. more love and you convinced me that they do and i i love them more now yay the song convinced you was that it yes that was exactly that's what really pulled you past uh golden lion tamarins which also (laughs) was really great and you did super well too kenzie thanks i'm sure there's a song about golden lion tamarins somewhere on the internet (laughs) if not we can make one up golden lion tamarins they're so cool, <laughs> but they don't make great pets. <laughs> they don't be no cool. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. And that really swings us right into how we can help primates. Um, don't have them as pets, man. Don't yes. do it. Don't do it. Oh, my gosh. Um, but more importantly, I'm not <laughs> expecting any of our listeners to be like, ah, shoot. What am I supposed <laughs> to do with my eight lemurs that I have in my house? Um no, and if you more, are, you're listening to the wrong podcast. <laughs> more like, you know, um, so like uh, even liking videos of like, um, you know, pet primates that you see on TikTok or on 
Facebook, Instagram, whatever social media you like to consume. Um, so, you know, supporting zoos and accredited uh, facilities um, and, you know, like um, uh, sanctuaries or rehabilitation centers rather than um, a capuchin monkey in someone's house unwrapping a gift or something. Um, just, you know, to have that second thought when you're seeing those uh, sorts of content pop up. Um, Lord knows TikTok loves to show me those videos. Oh my God. It must hear me all day long saying, wow, I love monkeys. Wow, I love (laughs) apes. Wow, I love lemurs. Like, you know, and so it's like, oh, so you would love this video of like someone that has a pet capuchin? And I'm like, no. (laughs) Um, But, you know, you do what you you can do. So, but the other really way, uh, important ways of helping them out are. Um, by helping their habitat, um, protecting their habitat. And a lot of their habitat is forest, rainforest uh, in particular. So all of that reducing uh, paper use, reducing the amount of wood we use, um, or purchasing sustainable rainforest-friendly products like coffee, chocolate, and banana are some really big ones, uh, is a great way to help out. Um, I like whoever wrote in all caps, palm oil. Uh, we had an entire episode all about the problem with palm oil, I think was the title of it. Yeah, it was um, your last birthday. Oh, my God. That's, right. <laughs> it was, that's true. And that um, was on time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a year about a little over a year ago. Uh, the problem with palm oil, if you want to um, refresh or learn more about that issue in particular. And I cannot stress this one enough. Recycle your electronics. I am lucky enough to have just gotten a new laptop and I am. Uh, looking up where I can recycle my old one because there's a mineral in uh, our cell phones, laptops, a lot of our electronic products uh, called Coltan. It's mined in areas um, where mainly gorillas, but other primates uh, live as well. Uh, and, you know, it's, uh, it's a big part in destroying that habitat in order for us to mine that mineral for our electronics. But if we recycle it, which we can, um, that would obviously help a lot in that, uh, Reducing the need for the mining. So recycle your phones, dang it. Earth 911 is a great resource for that. Yeah, it's a cool app that helps you find places you can recycle some harder to recycle things. A lot of zoos that have gorillas or chimpanzees or other um, apes usually have uh, like drop boxes I've seen that you can bring your phone or your computer, other electronics to, um, you know, and recycle it there. Um, Or you can... I've heard you could like bring it to even the Apple store or a Best Buy. Or... Yeah, I think Best Buy mm-hmm. does. Um, Best Buy has it right in the front electronics recycling store. There you go. Best Buy. And the last thing that we can all do is just learning more about primates. Like I did today. A whole group of them I didn't yeah. know existed. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can learn what, uh, what a primate is and tell your friends and families that gorillas are not monkeys. So can we please stop calling them monkeys? They are apes. They don't have tails. I don't even think I said that earlier, but I figured I've said it enough on this podcast. Monkeys have tails. Apes don't. End of story. Good and also, night. if we hear you ever in our presence saying it, we're going to slap you across the face. <laughs> I don't know about that. A little bit of violence there. Abby. But I will but, be disappointed. <laughs> the sentiment will be there. Yeah. When you, yeah, we'll, we'll slap you off across the face with how obnoxious my eye roll is going to be. There you go. Um, I don't think we have any big announcements this week. Do we? Anybody? No. Um, we no, did if you send join our out Patreon. those stickers. Yeah. So. If you haven't sent us your address on Patreon, please do so. And if you're a new patron, I have now required you to put in our address so that you can get your sticker because that was a good see on my part. Sorry. Um, And if you join Patreon, you can also vote on uh, in 2022 potential bonus content. (laughs) What do you want to hear? What kinds of things do you want us to rant about? Would you whale episodes exclusively? Would you like to hear Emily tell you how inaccurate Finding Nemo is biologically? Ooh, I um, you know, I'm ready. Been teasing that episode since we literally started this podcast. I, I mean, I'm ready she, literally whenever. Uh, I can uh, do that upside down in my sleeve. She actually has a PowerPoint on it. So. And a 10-page paper if anybody wants to read it. Oh, I would That's what I'm saying. To. We need to do that episode because I thoroughly enjoyed the first time I heard it, and I would thoroughly enjoy hearing it again. I agree. It's pretty great. Um, so maybe that'll be right. our first one. 
Yeah. So if you have any other suggestions, uh, feel free to reach out to us on any of our social media. You should know it by now, but it's Conservation Queens podcast on Instagram and Facebook and Patreon. And our email is conservationqueenspodcast at gmail. Um, And that's all we've got for this week. So get out there and stay sustainable. Bye. 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 (laughs) 